and let it play through. Yeah, sorry, the gangster version of a picnic. Is barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> that, you, you said picnic, and then you doubled down on. I'm yeah. like, you mean a, a barbecue, yeah, right? Almost. Yeah. Revealed yeah. my true self right yeah. there. I'm sorry. Yeah. I meant barbecue. Barbecue, motherfucker. So. <laughs> Speak Easy Studios. Speak and be heard. Yo, this is Stephen Lee. And I'm Frank Jackson. And we are the Distinguished Critics. We're here to break down some of our favorite albums and songs and debate what's overrated, underrated, and everything in between. So join us as we go back and relive some of music's most iconic projects. Give us a listen wherever you get your podcasts, and please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and give us those five stars. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another edition of This or That. I'm Stephen Lee, as always, joined by Frank Jackson, and today we're discussing two West Coast classics. That's right, Sugar Free Street Gospel, released on June 24th, 1997, and The Dog Pound's Dog Food debut, released on Halloween of 1995. Frank, how you doing today, man? I'm good. Glad to be back in here, man. We Don't call a, it a comeback. We had a brief hiatus. Um creative differences i wanted to raise but you know now we back in here and and we about to get this done and just to preface this whole conversation that we've done episodes where i can like talk about some of these albums and acknowledge their greatness and like you know hats off like i really respect this group or this artist and this project's legendary these two projects today for me are like my comfort food if i had to compare it to anything well i will say about these two um Unless I'm forgetting something, this is the best uh, producer matchup we've had. It's period. the first time we've done DJ Quick, so well, and that uh, that alone that leans it one carries way. Carries his weight, but then on the other side, you got Daz. Yeah. So with a little bit of poop sprinkled. Well, we've in. done we done not poo we've, is in poop. Like yeah. DJ Pooh. DJ yeah. Pooh. Legend. We've done uh, Fifty and and Dre, and obviously a lot of that is you know but either that's mostly Dre. Mostly Dre. Yeah. yeah. So this is just a like true with battle. the Kanye. You know when we did Watch the Throne and, and Daytona, Daytona. That's basically Kanye versus right. Kanye with a few other producers sprinkled in. Yeah. So I love this. I love this matchup of the of the producers because um, as we'll get into on this and like we talked about before, Daz is so severely underappreciated when it comes to his production. He is one of the greatest to ever do it. Um, when Dre left death row, Daz held it down and he was holding it down when Dre was there too. Mm-hmm. So, um, for, this, for like, a, was at least like a year while yep. Dre was still kind of dibbling and dabbling and, you know, debating on whether or not he's going to leave the label. And if you felt anything fall off, it certainly wasn't the production. No. So, um, Certainly this is a this is a showcase for him. Uh he he was outstanding on this album and and we'll get into that. Well, yeah, with Daz, I think man, if I had to compare it to anything, I would say he's probably like the West Coast version of Havoc from Mob Deep. Agreed. Or in terms part, of of how they're how they're placed, I guess, right? Agreed. Like you have a an assassin MC. It's a duo, right? Yep. And and yep. When you start really stripping well, it yeah, down, when you compare their partners too. Then it really correct. Makes you it, have yeah. corrupt, who's just like a lyrical assassin, and you know, prodigy was that at this particular stage as yep. well. And it's not that Daz or Havoc couldn't rap, but it's just like next to these guys, like yeah. okay, you know who the lead MC is, but Absolutely. likewise, you have them both on the boards, and I would say they're they're equals in that realm. Absolutely, I'd agree with that. Um, yeah, I mean, no nobody's gonna 
nobody's going to get dads confused with uh, some sort of a lyrical genius on the mic or somebody's going to blow your mind when he raps, but he doesn't make anything whack. No, he's, he has a great flow, too. He does. It's very, uh, he has a calm, he brings a calmness to it um, that makes it, especially with his beats, that smoothness that he brings when he raps, I think it makes it, it makes it flow very good. And compared to Corrupt, it's like, because Corrupt is, is kind of like that, too. Like, Corrupt isn't this super bombastic, loud, just all out there. You're not going to confuse him for KRS-One. Exactly. Yeah. Like, he's not like that, but it's still very different uh, in the way that they deliver things. Uh, Corrupt corrupt was in his bag. This was his prime. I got a few thoughts on all of this. Let's go ahead and yeah, get into dog do food. That. It You know, this came out in 1995, and I think it's worth noting that um, when both of these artists were introduced to the world on The Chronic, the concept of the dog pound didn't really exist. And the Dog Pound is one large collective. You have Nate Dog, you have um, Big C Style, you had Little C Style, you had all of these artists. But I think as a duo, it was it was good to pair these guys together yeah. because you saw the chemistry then on Doggy Style with songs like Doggy Dog World, right? So Rage was actually supposed to come out before the Dog Pound, but Rage, I guess you know historically has been known as she. She's kind of like Dre, but on a writing side where she takes time with everything that she does. Yeah. And, and she's great, too. And she's Daz and great. Corrupt were just like so hungry and ready to go. And Daz was getting comfortable with yeah. making these beats. And Corrupt has always been. Man, Corrupt to me, I would say from like 93 to 96, I'll put him against anybody lyrically. He was, he really was. Um, it's, it's just crazy when you, when you look at Corrupt in that time period compared to, you know, what followed for you know if you know you know for mm-hmm. for different reasons personal things but this man really was one of the brightest MCs in hip hop during this time and he is one of those people where you could go back and look at the you know print people don't print out shit anymore but if you just go look at it <laughs> go to Kinko's copies yes, and you print know print it out yeah. pay 50 cents um but you go and you you look at his lyrics and it's like man that's that's some he, shit that you know like if you if you didn't know who wrote it you were probably especially then because of the bias that it was then you probably think a New York MC had written this that, shit. I'm glad you brought that up because I feel like if if he was and he's from Philadelphia. I mean yeah, he, he moved he moved to LA and, and joined the 60s when he was like you know 16 years old so he was raised on the he's east coast based on the west coast not from the west coast kind of like you're you know like like, or exhibit you know you yeah. got a lot of artists that are like that but I think with corrupt um if this wasn't all over g-funk type of beats and I do believe that dog food is one of the last truly great g-funk albums I think it was the last one Right, you might look at like Return of the Regulator, but Warren G did a couple years later. But G Funk yeah. kind of like faded out yeah. in ninety seven, ninety eight, ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Um, if Corrupt were on RZA production or DJ Premier production, he'd be viewed and and talked about as one of the greatest of all time. Well, and he was that good to where it was kind of um, he could fit any scheme. If I'm gonna compare it to sports, like it doesn't really matter who's beat it is what type of production he was that good at that time mm-hmm. where it fits anything um but yeah corrupt corrupt was really on one on this album and and when you talk about this album one thing that is important of note to me is 
Snoop Dogg is all over this album. Yes. He is all over this album, but you never, ever at any point in this album feel like this is a Snoop album because he never outshines Corrupt. He kind of plays a little bit of a background role, and it, it seems he intentional. Does, but it's per- I feel like the amount of Snoop is perfect. It is perfect, right? He'll yeah. do a hook there, or he's mm-hmm. um, doing ad-libs yeah. for somebody or some on small, a given like, song. Or some small, like, skit at the and beginning he is, of And he is featured on, you know, a couple songs. Oh, yeah, he has some, yeah. But he should be. I mean, it's Snoop Doggy Dog in 1995. Yeah. But I, I do agree with your point that it never felt like in order to, for Death Row to sell the Dog Pound as a viable group that they had to put Snoop on the cover or that they had to just litter this entire project with too much Snoop. Yeah, he didn't have to carry them at all. Right. Um, this album was... This album is historically super significant because of the time that this was all occurring at, right? Late, late 1995, yeah. You got Pac just joined the label when this yes. came out. He got out of jail that month. Yes. You know. And at this time, you had those haters, C. Dolores Tucker, mm-hmm. Bob Dole, wanting to um, destroy everything that they were literally that rap like music was. buying the CDs and then rolling over them in the streets, burning like, them and shit. Yeah, you like bought a it. bunch of weirdos. Yeah, thank you for the album yeah. sales. But um, and the publicity and the publicity, which by the way, this album went double platinum mm-hmm. eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at that time, they were facing not only the the pressure from literally politicians politicians ranking high up really high up there that were high profile pressuring warner brothers pressuring warner brothers which eventually warner brothers caved to that Mm -hmm. and this had to get released on priority yeah but a lot um, of people don't know that this album was supposed to come out in like june or july of 95 came out roughly four five six months later or whatever it was because of all this label politicking and suge said well fuck it i'm gonna go to brian turner at priority and we're just gonna put it out here and it's going to sell and that's what, I mean, it, it turned out to be, I guess, a win-win, you know, because those haters, they wanted them to not sell the album anymore. Okay, cool. So they won that little battle, but the album comes out and it destroys. Like, so, win-win. But it, uh, Yeah, discussing this album, man, there's like, a just like you said, like a lot of context that goes into it. Because yeah. not only do you have like the label politicking and everything, but we're talking like the beginning seeds of the quote-unquote East Coast, West Coast war. I would say this was the kerosene right. that got thrown onto the very small fire that it was. This was after the source incident. Yeah, I was about to say, we, got, we should touch on the source awards that yeah. occurred two months prior because... So this was a right off the heels of that. Right. And, you know, tensions were starting to, to rise a little mm-hmm. bit, but, I mean, go ahead and speak on it. New York, New York, well, on this okay. album was... Was the... Was kind of... Kind of set it off, right? And there's a couple things that, like, we could do a whole episode on that song yeah. alone, okay? Yeah. The beat produced by DJ Pooh actually was a St. Ides commercial, for a St. Ides commercial initially. Biggie rapped on it, okay? So they dropped this song, and it really is, if you listen to it, kind of an homage, yeah. right? It's corrupt, uh, you know, really kind of giving it up. Now, Snoop does sound a little condescending on the beginning of it. Where he, What's up, God? What's up, money? It cannot be mistaken as anything. It, it, but it sounded like mockery. they were taking some shots. But he was mocking. In that song, he talks about, you know, it was the night I served 2,000 MCs. Well, reportedly, he did at the Source Awards outside of Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. Corrupt went toe-to-toe with New Yorkers mm-hmm. and 
really slayed all of them, Mm -hmm. you know? So you have the dog pound put out this song and then they're saying, okay, this is going to be the lead single. Let's go out to New York and actually film this in Red Hook, Brooklyn. This is what set all this shit off. Again, an homage. He's literally in the snow. The brownstones are in the back. He's rapping. It's a very East. You got a perfect artist to hop up on this song in corrupt because he's East coast derivative, Mm -hmm. right? It starts out that way. And then here's what I wish people talked about more because the whole Biggie being blameless and all of this really goes right through me. Biggie got on the radio knowing that they were filming this video in Red Hook, Brooklyn, and said Tupac and the Dog Pound are you know, filming this video. New York, stand up. What does that mean? Call to action. Okay, and that's exactly what happened. They ended up shooting the trailer. Um Thankfully, nobody got right. hit. A, a Trey D, all of them, they're in there like as the shots are flying. So they're saying, okay, fuck this. We got to get out of here. They jet back to California. Then they film the segment yes. where Snoop's like, oh, okay. Yeah. We're going to start kicking over these Everything buildings. changes then. Right. So to act like the dog pound came out and just blatantly disrespected New York. No, it was, it was a reaction and a response to what Biggie incited New York to do. Yeah. Um, it was just... A, a series of events to because you know obviously things preceded Biggie doing that. Mm-hmm. The tensions were so high right then that well, Suge's right hand man were, got killed in Atlanta like a month before this. There's yes, just a lot going. There's on. so much going on right. that you know, like people when they when they talk about um, the East Coast West Coast thing, they're they're mainly thinking about Tupac and Biggie. So many people died over this. Mm-hmm. Like, just people in the street. So many people died over this. It's absurd. And it goes so much deeper than Biggie and Pac. Right. So. But once it started, you know, the snowballs rolling down the hill, yeah. it, it, it was kind of no stopping. There was no stopping. You know, when, when Shook's until friend it went, got killed. Until it went too far. Correct. That's it. Until there was no other choice but to like, okay, what are we doing here? Yeah. You know. Um. So, this video gets shot. Uh. Obviously, <laughs> yeah, this video gets shot and shot up. Yeah. And so now that that whole thing is happening. So surrounding this album, you have the pressure from the politicians and you have this being the the war is now the catalyst on. Yes. So this album drops. It sells extremely well. Um, let's get into the, the album itself mm-hmm. when it comes to. When it comes to the album itself, um, what do you take from it in terms of what theme do you get from it? Uh, how do you compare it to kind of like other West Coast projects well, from around then? So the theme, I think, again, it very G-Funk. Like the whole thing Absolutely. is G-Funk, and it doesn't try and be anything but that. Uh, when we did our episode on The Dogfather and Nostradamus, I mistakenly said, you know, Dre only did a couple tracks on this. Dre really didn't do any tracks on this. Yeah, um, Dre, yeah, he was supposed to do one, I think, right. and he didn't. So he ended up, I guess, like kind of co-producing Respect with uh, Prince Ital Joe, rest in peace. Um, but other than that, this is all Daz with a DJ Pooh cut here and a corrupt-produced cut at the very end. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, for me, the theme is G-Funk. Um, It's a feel good. I know that that's so cliche when it comes to talking about like West Coast albums, but this really is one of those albums where you put it on and like 
you want to roll the windows down and just take a drive by the beach or, you know, go poolside, grab a Corona. Like, it just feels good. I would say this album has more of that feel uh, than any album not named The Chronic. Like, just I think it has more of, of that feel because The Chronic could be, like, darker and even got political oh, because sure. of the riots and everything. Yeah. Like, I feel like this was just a fun album. That's all this was. Right. This was a fun album um, for the most part. I would say if there's any... If there's any theme content wise that I take from it, um, I think there's a good amount of kind of dazzling, corrupt talking about like kind of that struggle of of leaving the streets to go legit loosely to do music. Yes, yeah. I say if there's any overall theme, if you have to point that, to something, if you right. have to point to something. But this is mostly, honestly, just. Daz having fun making these beats and corrupt just having fun writing these rhymes that none none nothing is tied to something else. It's not some concept out. It's Mm-mm. just now they do they do album. They do bridge a lot of these songs together in a clever way. You know, you got the Easy Dick interludes. You oh, got yeah, you got Big Pimpin on there who yeah. was like a literal like a guy that was living on the street mm-hmm. and Dre invited him to come live with him yeah. and he became like a really good orator on all of these albums. Yeah. So one thing that kind of stood out is definitely corrupts penmanship. And I think it's really evident on the first song, um, dog pound gangsters, right? Corrupt eats up about two minutes of the beat before Daz even comes in. There's subtle, not so subtle shots rather at bone thugs and harmony Ain't got no love for no hoes in harmony. This is still the last remnants of the ruthless beef. You can tell that some of these songs were recorded prior to easy dying or right around that time. Um, but yeah, man, it's hard to look at this. It's 17 songs. It's hard to look at this and say that there's any noticeable misses. I feel like it all does kind of flow together. Um, um, I could do without, uh, like, If We All Fuck. There's a couple songs that... I would say If We All Fuck. Make it a little blow. Um, Let's Play House. I know that that's, that's actually the biggest song from this album. I'm I love not that a song. fan. Yeah, I love that song. Um, Nate and even Michelet on it, you know? Yeah. Had that I, heavy piano and... Um, what I do love Nate on is I don't like to dream about getting, getting paid, paid yes. which is, uh, is is might be I would say that and Psycho like no probably my two Psycho like, like no yeah, yeah man they got that's, that's another that thing with this is, album too a lot of great hooks oh yeah you know oh yeah they no they I mean the the penmanship on this album throughout is is solid and like we mentioned earlier um, there's no point where you feel like Daz was. Holding, holding holding the it whole back. thing back. Right. Yeah, it's, it's not like, Daz it's not like had he slowed argue- it down at all. Daz, from a, a rapping perspective, arguably carried I Don't Like to Dream About Getting Paid. I would agree with that. You I think he I mean? had the best verse on I Don't Like to Dream About Getting Paid. Right. I mean, he he's not it, he's not a bum. He just isn't, you know, corrupt. He's not corrupt from, in exactly, 1995. Exactly. Yeah. Like, but then again, how many no people knock. were? Yeah. And how many people were Daz on these boards in 95? Like, right. Very few. So I, I just think this is a perfect marriage um, of an album. It is something that, you know, if I if I have to be hypercritical, um, I would say that there's no song that I'm, like, in love with. Like, I'm not crazy about any of the songs, but, like, I don't even remotely dislike any of them. Well, except for I don't I don't like Let's Play House. Mm-hmm. I really don't. But 
you, it was a clear attempt at radio, although a number of it these songs the, would have worked. It didn't fit the album to me. Even though the album is, is just a let's have fun, like it's not like it's all has to be one thing, but it still felt like out of place to me. Um, well, especially when it's sandwiched in the middle of the album. Yeah. It's not like it just ended with Let's Play House. Yeah. If I had to be critical of one aspect of it, I don't think it really ended that strong, to be honest. I mm-hmm. think like the last couple songs were just there and again it's not that they're bad but i will disagree with you in the sense that like there are songs that i absolutely love Mm. on this album smooth um obviously i don't like to dream about getting paid do what i feel with a very underrated lady of rage feature she was great um some bomb ass pussies like a smooth you know like they did that song at the house of blues and you see the type of reaction that that gets um but yeah i would say for like what the dog pound are i like it's hard to imagine them making a better project than this. Agreed. What pissed me off about this group, because here's where they differ from like Mob Deep, for example. With Mob Deep, you got the infamous, you got Hell on Earth, you got murder music. With the Dog Pound, you got this project, and we had to wait six years yeah. to get another album from them. Mm-hmm. And they never really recaptured that magic. I think if they had struck while the iron was hot and like kept this rolling, obviously a lot of things happened with Death Row. But Death Row and Corrupt himself, I would yeah, I would say like there's some, some things that I probably don't even want to get into I, on here we, because because that's a whole nother just thing. In go itself. do your go listen to Reggie Wright Jr. or do your Googles about why Corrupt was kind of a ghost in ninety six ninety seven. Yeah, I mean there there's a lot of uh, outside factors that played into. I mean six years is excessive, but you know of course these things happen and then it it ends up being that long right. before we get something else, but. Um, overall, I just, I love the album. Like it's, it's just a great album. Like you said, I, I, it's one of those things I could put that on when I'm doing anything. I could put it on at the gym and let it play through. Mm-hmm. I could put it on when I'm riding in my car, let it play through. If you had a picnic, certainly if you had like a, a picnic, barbecue you could put or something that on for sure. and, and let it play through. Yeah. Sorry. The gangster version of a picnic. Is a barbecue. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> you, was, you said picnic and then you doubled down on it. I'm yeah. like, you mean a, a barbecue, yeah, right? Almost. Yeah. Revealed yeah. my true self right yeah. there. I'm sorry. Yeah. I meant barbecue. Barbecue, motherfucker. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I would say I would play this. Uh, I would play this pretty much anywhere, and even even for the stuff that I'm not the hugest fan of, I'm not skipping it. Right. Because it's still because the production is so airtight throughout this entire album that it really doesn't even matter to me. Like I could listen to the instrumental version of this album yep. and still let that shit it's ride. Rare to, to like have an album like that and we're yeah, getting ready to talk is. about another one that you could okay but real quick to put a bow on this would you consider and you can circle back at the on this at the end if you would like but uh would you consider dog food to be like a top 10 west coast album of all time i do if you include everything like if you know if if you're wanting to encapsulate like the g-funk era and exactly. have a representation of that what right. it means uh, what it stands for at the time that this shit happened, everything right. surrounding it's it. Impact. And then just the actual music itself. Right. Hey, absolutely. This is a top ten West Coast album. Um let's yeah. get into let's get into Sugar Free's uh street gospel. Because let's. man, Sugar Free. I'll 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 let you, I'll give you the floor. Go ahead and, and set it off. I mean, when was the first time that you remember hearing Sugar Free? Because he's one of those artists that if you like him, you remember the first time you heard him. Well, so I I feel like probably for a lot of people, um, the first thing that they heard from Sugar Free was probably Dip Da. I'm not sure, hmm. but it is for me. And 
I didn't I forgot I forgot where um uh I, f- I actually forget where I was but I know where I saw it. I actually saw it on Twitter. This was in the renegade days of Twitter in like oh, 09. You were, you were that late to the party? Yeah, bro. I was Oh man. Yeah. Okay. So this is in the renegade days of Twitter, like oh nine. So this is right after we graduated high school. And uh I just saw that video. It was posted for some reason. Somebody was talking about it. And um I just the first thing that I noticed, well, first of all, he looked, you know, Sugar Free has that very distinct look, like not for a pimp, but for a hip hop artist. Yeah. You know? So I see him I'm like, what the hell? Wait, are you talking about Dip Die, the video or uh on my way? I meant on my way. There you That's go. That's what I meant. On my way. He's got the waves. That's what I meant. On yeah, my yeah, way. Yeah. He has like the silk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's what I meant on my way. And he has, you know, I'm looking at him like, man, it's a funny looking cat right here. And then I'm like, just noticing how different his, his, his voice and like his kind of delivery was. And that wasn't even, that's nothing close to what his actual delivery is. Cause on that song, he's not giving you like the full sugar free experience. That one was, that one was more so made for, you know, to be a single. Well, you got El DeBarge on the hook. Exactly. Yeah, more of a like that's, that's more of a single. So, but still, it was different. Right. And I was like, I, I don't know how I feel about this. So that's what prompted me to want to listen more and see, like, you know, what this guy is actually about. I'm pretty sure whoever posted it, they were roasting him. Like, <laughs> yeah, they were. And But I was like, I don't know. Let me see. And then I, that's when I first went and listened to street gospel. And I mean, it was no looking back ever since then. Like then you, you know, you, you dive into his whole, uh, discography and, and not, and not just his discography, but all the shit he features on, on and all of this stuff the and collaboration albums he's done. He's done a lot. Mm-hmm. Like outside of just his main body of work, he's done a lot. Um, and yeah, I, I think I think if you are a sugar free fan, he didn't really grow on you. He captured you yeah, like that's what pretty immediately. <laughs> that's like a, that's exactly what happened to me. I'll never forget. I was ten years old and uh obviously always been a big Snoop fan. So I bought the last meal. And he's featured uh, featured yep. on a song called Bring It On. Yep. And he had one line. Why the little girl walk around with a goldfish in her pocket so she could smell like the big girl? And yeah. I'm just like, this motherfucker. Yeah. I didn't even know what it meant at yeah. the time. But it was one of those, his flow, I hate when people say like, oh, you think Blueface is offbeat, but you love Sugar Free. So, Sugar right. Free is not let's, offbeat. Let's get into that because I was I was going to talk about that uh, a, a little bit later. Um, it's very staccato-ish, but he's always, he has a pocket that nobody that else can find. That shit is so unbelievably disrespectful to me. To, to even compare those two. And it's for no other reason than Sugar Free actually does it well. Right. Like, he his his flow is he's going to fit a lot into kind of this that's, one bar. And second then, bar. And then he's going to deliver the punchline. Correct. And that is not the same thing as somebody just out here not knowing how to stay on beat. Right. Like, you, you never, if you listen to Sugar Free and you think that what you're hearing is offbeat, you just have no rhythm. You have no ear for music. Like that's, Sugar, Sugar that's Free, all that what is. he'll do is he'll give you two words, let the beat breathe, yep. and then he's going to hit you with this rapid-fire delivery, but like all of it is within the pocket of the beat. Yeah. You it's, know? There's never, there's never a time where you feel like he tried to squeeze too much Mm-mm. into this. No, because he's great at it. 
He knows what he's doing. Sugar Free is one of the most talented hip-hop artists I've ever seen in terms of not just him being able to pull off that delivery because nobody else can do that. Right. You've never seen anybody else be able to do that. People can rap fast. People could, you know, do this or that or twist Dub, words Dub in C a certain C has way. kind of a stuttery flow, but it's yeah. not like that. No. You know. You never, you, you know who, and I look, I will say on the front end that I do love this dude. Uh, now, where are you going with this? Well, I do love this dude, but I feel like the only person who does something similar to it, but nowhere near as well, I'm sorry, is E-40. Okay, yeah. But that's not, I don't think E-40 is whack, but I think Sugar Free is the perfected version E-40 of what can E-40 tries to do. Kind of lose he it. D- he, exactly. He does lose it sometimes. Mm-hmm. He He does... Get stretch to, it out too much, and it's just like he, I'm trying he to teeters remember. on that line of being offbeat, right? And Sugar Free never even approaches that right. line; it's not even close. Um, yeah, Sugar I think Free Sugar is Free, not a, a Silk the Shocker, you know. No, you know. So I, another reason I say this dude is is so talented. Um, another one of the very first things I saw from him was uh was that uh do it like I'm used to it that that freestyle that he was doing. And when he's beating on the table before he D- DJ Quick even discovered him, his name was Royal Rock at the yes. time. Yes, and a lot of the lines you hear when he's doing that end up on this album right. across various songs. Well, he has the County Jail song, and exactly. even like the table interlude. I, you know, I've never, to be honest, seen somebody take a pencil and a quarter, and that's the and talent rock I'm talking about like right there. That. Just at a kitchen table, clearly in Pomona somewhere. When when you look at him. During that video, I I implore anybody listening to this, if you haven't seen it, just look up YouTube, Sugar, Sugar Free Freestyle, freestyle right? Um, and you'll see it. is is one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. And when you look at his face, you can kind of see his brain processing this shit mm-hmm. as he's doing it. But to multitask, to be able to juggle those things, that is so unbelievably difficult to do while still being perfectly on beat and delivering every bar on time and not at all fucking up that beat one time. With a flow that, quite frankly, nobody else can can do. You know what I mean? Um, I'm so glad that him and DJ Quick linked up because I feel like Sugar Free would have been something no matter what. He's too talented. This brings the best out of him. But, like, DJ Quick and has since. did this whole album. It's only 14 songs. You know me. That's how I prefer my albums. Same. Give me that 12 to 14 soft spot, and I'm good. Yep. And DJ Quick was, like, kind of in an interesting spot in his career, too, right? He had just left Death Row, as did most. You know, we just talked about the Dog Pound. Um, This came out in June of 97, and I feel like it kind of breathed new life into Quick's career from a production standpoint. Gone was the, I don't want to call it G-Funk, it's the P-Funk. Gone was the P-Funk from Way Too Funky, Safe and Sound, the work that he had done with Pac and stuff like that. And here is where I feel like DJ Quick started to really embrace and incorporate that live instrumentation. Yeah. He's not sampling. There's no loops. And you can hear that difference. It literally is like he's got Robert Bacon on guitar here on on songs like If You Stay Ready. Like the whole thing just sounds so musically like perfect that Sugar Free, as, as breezy as his flow can be, can kind of just hop on any one of these songs and like do what he wants, you know, as an indicator of how perfectly meshed together and in sync. These two were. this album was recorded in 28 days. 
that's crazy. Right. Because Well, that's when you know the chemistry is just lockstep. It's just perfect. Right. Um, and I read something that Sugar Free said, which is I, this right here. Tell me you can't picture Quick saying this. He told Sugar Free, if you party while you make the album, people going to want to party to it. That's some that's some DJ Quick ass shit to say. Yeah, and, and, and DJ Quick's kind of like used that as a as a basis for his whole career. I mean, and that's why it. I love him. Yeah. I mean, think about right. it. Right. Like, let's have fun doing this. People gonna have fun listening and to it. And talk about the partying. And yep. but I'll say this about Sugar Free too. Like he has some songs. A lot of these are his comedic timing is impeccable. He's hilarious. Like he there's is, so many quotables. You got songs like I'd rather give you my bitch like yeah. than to let you breathe on oh, my last bit of endo smoke. Yeah. Like he's, he's a pimp. A lot of people in the hip hop game talk about, Oh, I'm a pimp. I got all these women. No, this dude was literally putting them on the whole stroll yeah. and like making, you know, go get my money. Yeah. Like, you know, for $20, she can blank your blank, yep. you know? And I feel like there's so many one liners that you almost have to like, listen to this album like a couple times to really pick up save on it more. Right. I'll save it more. You have to listen to this album just about the amount of times that we've listened to it. Right. In order to catch Fully everything, grasp everything like from front to back, because each song has God, I don't know how many punchlines. There's a couple songs that are, that are um, not like that, mm-hmm. that are, that are more serious, you know, like I want to go home and, well, Dip Dies um, is like, like a really, that showed a different side of That's Sugar That's the Free. emotional, like, he actually dove into some the of. The psyche and why yeah. he is the way he is exactly. and girls that he's dealt with. I mean, in that song, he's talking about, you know, my 20-year-old, you know, when she was six, her daddy yeah. was her boyfriend. It's yeah. like, dude, that's the side of the pimp game that nobody talks about. Yeah. You know. So, there are those couple of songs where, you know, he he's on, on something different than he usually is, mm-hmm. but. For the majority of this album, I mean, God, how many punchlines per song are we getting? And and they're hilarious. And the way he delivers them, you want to hear them over and over and over well, again. Well, the music's so good that, like, you don't, like, it's not like he's rapping over stale boom bap beats. It's like, no, you want to revisit this because of the music and you're catching something new with every re-listen. I will say about Quick on this album, um... And I mean this in a good way. Quick, uh, based on his, you know, his just immense talent. I think he's. Um, the, I think he's the the best producer in hip hop history. That's my opinion. I, I mean, it's hard. To, it's him or Dre, right. and that's. I think those two are in a, a tier of their own. Mm-hmm. Very different. And then kind there's of the next styles very, too. Certainly yeah. very different. Um, but Quick kind of kept it for the most part minimalist on this album. To let Sugar Free kind of have that free reign to go, like, because you've heard much, much more complex um, arrangements and, and string Quick. structure. Well, on Quick's album following this, Rhythmalism, that's like that's exactly what you're getting. Exactly. I don't want to say this is bare bones Quick. It's not bare bones, but it's minimalist while still having every part of Quick's DNA. Right. Because you do want to highlight the artist that you're introducing to the world. And because he's so eclectic and unique, don't overshadow him with everything that you can do. And Quick can do damn near everything. This so is knowing I do agree. your artist. And right. that's part of being a great producer. Like, you can't produce everybody the same. He can do that with with second to none. You could do that with Play a Ham. Yep. I mean, I, I love these guys, but yeah. they're, they're rappers, yeah. you know. But, like, yeah. Sugar Free, it's like, yeah, give him... Like allow him to be the best version of himself, and I I think that that's exactly what you get on this album. Sugar Free's entire catalog is very strong, but I don't think that 
and he took like a seven year hiatus he between did. solo yeah, albums. He, he dropped the New Testament in 2004. And the New Testament was great too. A man. great album. I wish we had gotten another because this is the only album that Quick produced top to bottom. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of a rarity in hip hop, unless you're like the Alchemist. That's kind of a rarity in hip hop these days, anyway. Yeah, um, but Sugar Free is known for like his long breaks between albums. Mm-hmm. I mean, in between Frank High Power Pimpin and yep. the Resurrection, it was like ten years. Yep. You know, so with Sugar Free. That stretch, because when I heard him in 2000, I'm like, okay, I discovered this album, but then it's like you're waiting another four years to like get a new project, but it also makes you like, he has you waiting for the right reasons. And he delivers mm-hmm. every time. Right. I mean, I remember how excited we were for uh, for the resurrection, resurrection, mm-hmm. um, and it delivered. And yeah. I'm I still listen to it to this day. And right. and he just dropped uh, sugar cane with cocaine. And I mean, it's it's. Sugar Free is one of the most consistent artists um, in hip-hop history to me, and it's crazy because, and this is what I really want to talk about on this, there is not a more underappreciated, I would say, country and worldwide artist than Sugar Free. I agree with that. But he is very much appreciated by those who know. Mm-hmm. Like, if if you really are a hip-hop head, Sugar Free better not be left off of your list of the best. And people on the West Coast, like, I'm talking about your favorite artist raves about Sugar Free. Mm-hmm. Kendrick Kendrick bows before Sugar Free. From Kendrick to YG to Snoop. Free. Yeah. But I'm even talking about just the people he influenced after. after right. YG, Vince Staples, all these dudes, they just genuflect before him because he is that. Yeah. He is that shit. And you hear his influence in their music. Right. Um, With Sugar Free, too, I think, like, Obviously, you know how much I love West Coast music. I would say, like, if I had to pick a region, even though, like, I take no limit over everything, but that's a whole other story. Like, if I had to pick a region where where I'm only listening to that for the rest of my life, it's going to be the West Coast. Sugar Free is quite easily in my top five of all time from that region. Agreed. You know? And the only people that he's following is, like, Pac, Snoop, Quick, and then it'd probably be, like, Sugar Free and Trey D. So, like, Sugar Free, for the consistency, the style, the influence, um the bars, all of that. Like, he's a complete artist. And maybe he is an acquired taste for most, but I'm telling you, if you have any type of ear for music or an appreciation for, like, rap, I don't see how you could overlook somebody like that. And unfortunately, outside of the West Coast, I wish he would tour more on the East Coast and down South and the Midwest. Some of this is is him, right? right. Like, we can't... He's been a like recluse. Like, that 10-year break and stuff like the, that. The long know? breaks he takes, and he doesn't go on a lot of countrywide and worldwide tours right and he could he could he does have fans he could very well be opening up for snoop at any location you know but you know it's people are different uh he's but but still i i just i wish this man was was talked about more i wish he would get more flowers now Mm -hmm. because this is one of those people who you know Hopefully it's not for a very long time, but when he's gone, I guarantee you we're going to see all of the appreciation posts. Right. I guarantee you we're going to see all of the, you know, when people start seeing, because when, when he's gone, that's when your favorite rappers are gone. You're going to see them talking about him. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to be like, who? And then, you know, they're going to, in retrospect, realize how just immensely talented and different this dude is. And, I, he just deserves all the flowers. I think Sugar Free is an absolute legend. I don't use that word 
Lightly, Sugar Free is a legend. Right. It's not something you toss around. I mean, you could acknowledge like an artist's contribution and maybe they've been in the game for 30 years. But yeah. like personally, like I, I don't view certain guys as legends. I'll, I'll use Tretch from Naughty by Nature as an example. Fair. Like, yeah, he has legendary accomplishments, but I just don't view him in that light. Sugar Free is a legend in every way. And maybe that's the wrong comparison, but like from my personal perspective and the hip hop that I grew up on, Sugar Free has been a mainstay since day one. Give me your favorite song on this uh on this project. Tiptoe. Tiptoe. I mean you got first of all the I mean the beat like quick this is probably my favorite beat on the album. Um and it's as simple as this. My favorite beat on the album you got Sugar Free doing his thing as always, but you also get the quick verse. This is the only yeah. song that quick is rapping. On. I like that too, though. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you got me play too. him. You got like your your those guys, yeah. right? Um, but, and they all they all did their thing too, right? But they weren't all over this project. No, it's kind of like that Snoop on the dog food type of thing, where exactly. it's like give them just a glimpse and to to know that the cosine is there, but let them do their thing. Exactly. I'm gonna go if you stay ready. I love that song. It's so, it, it, like when you're at your picnic and you're, you know, you want to put on a good song, mm-hmm. <laughs> your picnic. Um, I feel like that's one of those ones that you just got to let ride. Absolutely. Robert Bacon with the guitar at the end and he's just cutting up and, and quick has such a, an ear for like, no, this, um, this parliament, this ex parliament member would sound great on this record. And it's just another example of that. He's just a, a perfect orchestrator of music. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it shines through on this album all the way. And like you said, I, I do think this, um, not that anything musically died within him, but if anything needed to be reawakened, this was it. Yeah. And this propelled um, what the next generation of DJ Quick would be, yeah, which was him really reaching Tapping his into the pr- production-wise. Like, yeah. you look at, again, you look at rhythmalism and yeah. balance and options yeah. and him bringing Mossberg into the fold. Like, Quick is, hey, this guy is just so fucking good, man. He phenomenal. Is. He is. Phenomenal. And it's the... That level of talent that Quick has is exactly what you need to match the immense talent that Sugar Free has. Mm-hmm. Um, All right, well, we're here on on this on this album. I'll say before I even make your decision, make my decision. This, you know what? This part, this is just gonna tip my hand anyway. But well, great, <laughs> I mean, it's it's perfect. It's a perfect album. Like, I, there is not, I know this for a fact that I can't skip anything. I've front to back this album I don't know how many times, mm-hmm. and I will do it again, and I will do it again, and I will do it again, and it'll never stop. Like, I, don't, I don't need to do this, uh, like, if we're doing an episode, I don't need to, like, super dive into this, because I guarantee you within, like, the past two or three weeks, I've listened to it again anyway. No, Oh, yeah, no, this you know is one I mean? of those, like, yeah, usually so... We we like to whether we like know the album or not. Um, it's a little preparation. We like to dive into it just just in case we forgot mm-hmm. anything. Just in case we never noticed something. Right. There might be something that you hear on this listen that you had never heard before. Uh, agree. Street gospel was one where I was like, I know this. I, I only <laughs> yeah, need to listen like, to one album. Yeah, here. yeah. Like this one is is just so is entrenched. Yeah. Is is there? Um, this is a perfect album and. I, it's one of my favorite albums that there's ever been. So 
it's it's um with with all due respect to Dog Pound because they put together an outstanding album. Well, you said um, it yourself. Like you would consider that a top ten West Coast album, exactly. And, okay, and it so, takes this to beat it, right? So obviously you have that in that category. You have this in that category yes, as well. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So you're going street gospel. This was a little tougher for me, and it, again, it's nothing to do with street gospel or sugar free. Love him, but like it is the peak of like the dog pound. And I've always been such a fan of corrupt and especially Daz on the boards. And I, I do feel like if you were going to get an album from them, you couldn't ask for more, right? This is like exactly like what you would want from a dog pound album. Um, the replay value is incredible. Like so many of those early to mid nineties death row releases, like you can revisit this and the mixing and the mastering, uh, just the sound. It never gets stale. Um, I think obviously from a, a guest contribution standpoint, I'm obviously going dog food with Nate and Snoop and, um, you know, the likes, all of them, Technique, all of those guys. Um, but I cannot, I can't take much over street gospel. Like, I would take street gospel over all eyes on me. As would I. I mean, and... and I love Pac. Like, I'm just using that as, like, yeah. the pillar of, no, like, that's, okay. That's really letting people know, like, this is how much we actually do love this album. So I do think it was a good discussion because I've, I've been wanting to talk about the Dog Food album for a while. Um, and it feels like both of these, to, a, uh, like, a casual hip-hop fan, if you're not firmly entrenched in that West Coast, you know, base, um, maybe these still do tend to get overlooked. Everybody knows the chronic. Everybody knows doggy style. Oh, I would certainly say that about both. A of lot these. of people know yeah. quick is the name by DJ quick and stuff like that. But like if you're these, a casual hip hop listener, neither one of these albums are even remotely on your radar. Right. So I, I think it was comparable in that, from that standpoint, but what it boils down to for me is sugar freeze in my top five and DJ quick is the best producer that I've ever heard. So this is what it takes to right. beat. Dog food, like right. uh, again, this is <laughs> dog food is an outstanding album. This is what it took right. to beat dog food because you know, similar to what you said about street gospel, there's not a whole lot of things beating dog food either, but this is one of them, right? There it is. All right, till next week, guys, let us know what you think in the comments. If you haven't heard these albums, definitely go check them out. And until then, we'll see you next week. Peace. Thanks for giving us a listen. Give us your feedback and let us know how you really feel. Subscribe, rate, review, and we'll see you next week.